Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Four Persons Podcast. To learn more about what we do, go to our show page at thefourpersons.com and our blog at thefourpersons.net. To call into today's show, the number is 515-602-9655. That number again is 515-602-9655. with you it took me a minute there to process what day of the week this is (laughs) wow it's a Tuesday but all the days have been kind of running together for me and kind of a blur lately so I had to think for a second what day is this it's Tuesday so anyway happy Tuesday the 25th of July 2023 we've got a very special guest tonight I'm really excited about this show a few weeks ago, we had Swan Sona, who is one of the uh, fastest rising top apologists these, these days. And we talked about the four senses of Scripture. And one of my favorite, maybe my favorite uh, sense of Scripture is the typological sense. And I've got a kindred spirit with me tonight in, in, in that sense. Dominic Cajazo, welcome to the program. How are you doing tonight? Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I'm doing good. It's a little hot where I am, but apart from that, I have no complaints. It's a little hot everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, two of my favorite subjects uh, in Catholicism are the typology of the Old Testament and the apparitions of our blessed uh, mother, You've kind of married them together. Uh, why don't you talk about what, what you've discovered? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, so uh, thank you very much. Um, if it's true, then, um, then, then God, God, has, God has done this. Um, and so we're just spectators in this, this, this masterful, uh, I call it divine poetry. Um, I think of typology, and it's not a science, it's not mechanical, and it has a poetic or a kind of artistic element to it. And so I... I like to think of it that way, but um, and I agree with you. I I love our blessed mother. At least I I, I think I do. Um, and um, so um, the, the the premise, though, let me just uh, the premise of this is that um, um, the Our Lady is uh, one one of the types of Our Lady uh, in the Old Testament is um, is the Ark of the Covenant. And so there's some there's some Old Testament scripture verses that really bring this out. One of the more poignant ones, though, is that um, that visit that uh, when the Ark um, David brings the Ark to Jerusalem. And uh, he says, um, who am I that the ark of my Lord should come to me? And then he dances before the ark, and then the ark stays in, um, uh, in a house for three months. And, you know, those three things are exactly what um, St. Elizabeth uh, said, um, and, and Our Lady did in, in the story of the visitation, where she says, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And that Our Lady stayed in her house for three months, and then St. John the Baptist danced and left for joy. So, um, you know, right there you have a very, uh, a very pure and um, very... Uh, 
blaring, I would say, a, glare, a glaring um, type of um, type of Our Lady in the Old Testament, which is the Ark. Anyway, so um, knowing, knowing that or, or considering that, um, I'm, I'm proposing tonight. We can, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll draw this out and um, try to make it more uh, clear. I'm proposing, though, that the stories in the Old Testament about the Ark of the Covenant, each one has a particular foreshadowing or a particular um, uh, type, I guess you could say, of certain apparitions of Our Lady in the New Testament. So right. I guess I'll stop there and see if I'm resonating, if that, that makes any sense, I guess. You're making perfect sense. Before you go any further, I want you to tell our audience the name of your book and where they can get it, because you, you spell this all out in your book, and I, I will definitely uh, be ordering a copy. Now, I will tell you, full disclosure, uh, I'm going to have to live to be 843 years old to finish all the books that I'm trying to read. <laughs> but I will get to it, I promise. Um, but t tell our sure. audience what's the title of it and where they can get it. Uh, sure, great. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, so um, this is uh, it's our first book. Uh, you can go to um, – well, I also make Catholic cartoons on the side. Um, so um, right now I just started making these books. Um, so I have the books on our cartoon website, and that website is Glorious Heritage cartoons.com so um, that's G-L-O-R-I-O-U-S glorious and then heritage H-E-R-I-T-A-G-E heritage and then cartoons with an S dot com and there you can find the books right there um, and you can order them um, so uh, and the book the book is called Marian Apparitions in the Old Testament pretty simple okay now just to clarify you're not you're, you're not alleging that anyone in the Old Testament saw an apparition of the Virgin Mary. What you're saying is there are right. foreshadowings in the Old Testament of some of the major uh, Marian apparitions. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I'm, yeah. you know, the, the trick with uh, titling a book or a movie or a video is to make sure it's attention-grabbing. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But um, I, 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 no, I, hopefully I didn't give that impression, but um, I, I, exactly. I, I'm not saying that Our Lady appeared in the Old Testament. Uh, right? What I'm saying is, is that um, the stories of the Ark and of certain prophets seem to foreshadow Our Lady's apparitions in church history. And I will tell you one where I saw that myself. And, I, it, and it was kind of funny. Even before I came across you and came across uh, your book, I saw this particular one myself, and I was wondering if it was going to be one that you were going to bring up. Uh, just before Elijah ascended into uh, in, in heaven on the, yeah. in, his, yeah. in his famous chariot, <laughs> uh, yeah. he had he had, had uh, the, the, the famous... Uh, you know, battle with the prophets of Baal, yes. and that was at the site of Mount Carmel. Yes. And uh, I happened to notice that he took his uh, his cloth that laid over the shoulder, folded it, and handed it on to his successor, uh, Elisha. Yes. And what a foreshadowing that is of Mount Carmel, or Lady of Mount Carmel, and her scapular. And uh, that just kind of struck me. It's just something that jumped out at me, and I, I was wondering if that was one of the ones you were going to point to. No, no, I haven't. Um, I just, I just kind of, I was crossing. That, that same thing crossed my mind a couple of days ago because it was a feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Um, so, um, 
No, it wasn't. I'm sorry. It was what was the piece of? I, maybe I just heard a sermon about that. Anyway, but no, I, I, I don't talk about that tonight. But I agree with you, though. I think you're right. That was uh, July 16th, by the way. Is, uh, Thank you. I, I thought it was recently. Okay. Well, the reason why I know is because it also happens to be the day I lost lost my brother Fred. He, he passed away on that same oh, day. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm go sorry. ahead. Please okay. continue. Um, well, no, I, I just want to say that uh, that's uh, and so that, that's why this is more like poetry than it is science. Um, mm-hmm. I think that like typology by its very nature is not. I mean, it's 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 beautiful. It shows you the truth. It points to the Catholic faith. Um, it, it it verifies and validates the faith. But at the same time, it's hard to like it's hard to prove something with typology unless the person's receptive to it. I think this is that's been my experience. I don't know, but. Um, I think rather than the analogy of poetry, I would, I would draw more like painting. Because, um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, good. Because with, with painting, the, the lines are softer. They're, they're less well-defined up close. You don't see the sharp lines. And it really comes into focus when you step back and you see. Oh, that's, that's great. I like that. You see the images kind of jump out, uh, so you know all those soft lines come together to to, to form a, a, a picture, and you really need to see the whole picture rather than in just one straight line. And I think, honestly, I think that could be said about our whole approach to scripture, as opposed to our Protestant brothers and sisters, who you know extract a verse here, extract a verse there. They like to what they call proof text, uh, where right. you kind of look at the at the at the whole of scripture as a, as a tapestry. Yeah, it is. It's, it's one seamless tapestry. It, exactly. I, and well, you know, that brings me to another topic, which I shouldn't get into tonight, but we can maybe save it for a future interview. But um, that is the whole history of the old Testament, for, you know, as, as compared to the whole history of the church, but that's, I'll just stick to the Marian apparitions tonight. <laughs> yeah. Now, before we get into some of the specific apparitions, I, I just want to address something for our, our audience and, uh, because uh, we spoke a little bit on the phone earlier today, and uh, I told you that I left a, a, another apostolate, and one of the one of the things that I left that apostolate over was their promotion of condemned apparitions. I want to make it very very clear: our church is very very exhaustive in the way that they investigate these events, and when the church gives a stamp of approval on a Marian apparition, you can pretty much have no doubt that it's, that it's true and it's authentic. The same is true when the church condemns one. When the church gives a negative uh, um, judgment on an apparition, stay away from it. Don't touch it. It's toxic. <laughs> you don't want to mess with it. it it's, uh, and uh, I'm not going to go into any specific... We agreed that we weren't going to talk about any specific... Uh, Sure, you know, sure. condemned ones tonight. We'll get into that on a later date. But I did want to set that parameter as, uh, you know, when the church has said, this is worthy of belief, Dominic, you can take it to the bank, right? Um, yeah, you stay, stay away from false apparitions, you know, um, that's for sure. I mean, our Lord warned us. He said there will be many false prophets and false messiahs, and they're going to perform great, great wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Um, so, um, you know, I mean, one of the things the elect would fall for, most of all, is fake apparitions and fake, fake miracles. I, you know, so I think you should be very careful of that. And, and it's the Catholic faith that guides you. If, if there's heresy, if there's error, if there's, you know, um, then it's not from God. 
That's 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 the bottom line. Amen. So. Amen. So so how would you um, first of all let's let let's start off with which which one would you like to start off with of the, of the major approved oh, ones? Sure. Which one would you like to point yeah. to first? Um, okay, well, yeah, just uh, so that everyone can hear, I mean, these, these are the ones that I have in my book. I have um, Our Lady of Guadalupe, um, Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal, Our Lady of Lourdes, um, Our Lady of La Salette, Our Lady of Pont Maine, and Our Lady of Fatima. Those are the, the, the main ones that I, that I have. Um, let's, my, my favorite is Lourdes. Um, my my yeah, wife and I, um, we both were very worldly, and um, we're, we're going down the wrong road for sure, the road to hell. And we went to Lourdes, and we had a major conversion there. And um, we got married on her feast day. So I just, I love Our Lady of Lords, and um, she means so much to our family. So I, can we start with that one? <laughs> oh, Our Lady of Lords is near and dear to my heart. I named my youngest daughter Megan Bernadette. <laughs> oh, oh, wonderful. Is, okay. Yeah, That's great. Lords is, Lords is, a, is a real soft spot in, in, in my heart. And I, and I actually read a book I'll recommend it to you, uh, Bernadette Savirus by uh, Francis Troku. Have you ever heard of the book? I have not, but um, no. I, I was overwhelmed yeah. by that book. I was absolutely overwhelmed. Um, I, I had tremendous ap- uh, admiration for St. Bernadette before reading the book. But once you read the right. book, then you really understand the depth of her suffering, and the, and the admiration goes up even more. But anyway, I don't want to How steal wonderful. your thunder. I don't want to steal your thunder. Our Lady of Lords... Uh, Started in 1858, sure. as I recall. That's right. That's right. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, 12 years before a very fateful event, which few Catholics know about, and it's called this. Uh, in 1870, was called the spoliation of the papal states. Um, and I, this is kind of critical to the story that I want to get into with Lord. So I actually, I should kind of give it. But um, the the Church, the Holy See, um, was in control of something called the papal states ever since the time of Pepin. In 756, he was the uh, the son or the father of Charlemagne, and he they, they gave the papacy this track of land, almost like all of central Italy, to the Pope, and the Pope and the Holy See ruled over it. They extracted um, income from it, and they ruled it as as a king, um, and it provided autonomy for the Pope, so he didn't have to receive funding from from other kings, and, and you know he he didn't have to be subject to their their pressure um, because of finances. Anyway. This land was taken away in 1870 by the Freemasons, um, particularly um, the very first king of Italy. His name was Victor Emmanuel II. Um, and him and his general, they took all the land away, and the popes after that referred to themselves as prisoners in the Vatican. So Pope Pius IX, um, Pope Benedict XV, Pope St. Pius X, um, and um, Pope Leo XIII. I'm, I'm missing one. But anyway, they, they were called prisoners because they, 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 were, they could go out, but under protest, they didn't go out. Now, um, that happened um, in 1870. Our Lady of Lords appeared in 1858. So um, um, I, I, just, I, I know your, your listeners and yourself clearly know the, the story of Lords, but I just want to highlight the points that are relevant for this parallel. Um, we all know that Our Lady uh, appeared in, in a cave, in a grotto. Right? That I think is very clear. She was also the, the new Ark of the Covenant. Um, and then um, she, um, she appeared there, like I said, before the, the, uh, the taking of the Papal States and before the Post became prisoners. Um, on her last apparition, though, um, St. Bernadette was, was there, and Our Lady appeared in the grotto, but 
uh, this is actually on July 16th. Our Lady of, the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel was the last apparition at Lourdes. And Our Lady was um, in the grotto, but the, the, the secular authorities, they barred off the, the grotto because they didn't want the, uh, the crazy, kooky Catholics to come and get the, whole, the, the Lord's water. So they, they barred it off. So um, St. Bernadette had to um, see Our Lady from a distance, and, and she was behind this iron gate. So um, let's, this, let's kind of hit the pause button on the story there for a second and then go to the Old Testament. Um, there's a story in the books of the Maccabees where Jeremiah, the prophet, he, um, the Babylonians are coming and they're going to, they're going to take over um, the, the kingdom of Judah and they're going to sack Jerusalem and they're going to bring all of the Jews into uh, exile into Babylon. This is called the, uh, the transmigration into Babylon or the Babylonian captivity. So um, Jeremiah, the prophet, he knows, of course, that they're coming. So he, he takes the Ark of the Covenant and he goes, he, he hides it in a cave. And you can find that in uh, 2 Maccabees 2, verses 5 to 7. Um, and then he blocks up the entrance so no one can find the Ark, right? So Protestants think that the Ark was taken by the Babylonians. Catholics know that it's still in a cave somewhere down by south um, eastern Israel. <laughs> That's the last time it was, was put into a cave. Um, so um, you have um, all the elements there are there in Lourdes. You have uh, the, Ark of a, the Ark in a cave. Okay, that's number one. And number two, you have um, the, the invading army coming shortly after, um, conquering the holy city, which is Jerusalem in the Old Testament, and it's Rome in church history. And then um, the, uh, the Jews are, are prisoners in Babylon, and here you have the popes are prisoners in the Vatican. Um, and then you also have the Ark being blocked up and, and, and um, like, um, barricaded up in the cave, just like St. Bernadette saw Our Lady on the last apparition barricaded up. So um, that's pretty neat, I think. Um, um, you put, yeah, and there's, there's a little more to that. Let me add something else to this. Um, this is pretty neat. So at the time that Jeremiah was prophesizing in Jerusalem, the prophet Ezekiel, was, he was um, contemporary, contemporaneous to uh, Jeremiah. He was in Babylon, and he was giving a prophecy at that time about this miraculous spring of water that was going to flow forth from the right side of this temple he was describing. And it was going to bring life and healing to everything it touched. And this, this is in Ezekiel chapter 47. Wow. And it gives very specific, right? Isn't that neat? It gives very specific um, uh, directions about this water, about what side of the temple it came from, on the east or the west, and this and that and all these things. So um, I was curious, of course, and I, I took those descriptions that were listed in Ezekiel, and I tried to apply it to Lourdes. And wouldn't you know it, it describes the same spring. <laughs> So that's, wow. that's in my book, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Lord's. There you go. There's the Lord's one. All right. Let's go Fatima. Okay. Great. Okay. We'll go to Fatima here. All right. So, um... Uh, again, this is—I I hate to do this—but you know, all your listeners, everyone knows the story of Fatima. Um, but I'm just going to go over um, October 13th, the day of the, the, the miracle of the sun. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we all know, it was raining heavily that day. Pictures of all the people going out to the uh, to the grotto, or what's it called, the um, the cova, with their umbrellas uh, in the hand. Yeah, and they're going there yeah. because. Yep, yeah, that's right. Thank you. Okay, and they're going there because they um, they're curious as to if these children are, are telling the truth. And there's a, a miracle that's promised that day. So they're going to go and see this, this miracle that's supposed to happen. Um, and then, of course, we know that um, uh, this, the sun descends from the sky and, and seemingly starts to crash towards the earth. And then sometime during that miracle, the ground all becomes dry. Everyone's amazed because, 
even though it was just saturated wet and it was torrential downpour. Oh, I, I think um, I know where you're it, going with this. Right. Okay. Right. Good. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, one more little element here is that um, when Our Lady appears, she appears on that small cloud. That's what they described her. She, she was standing on a cloud during the apparitions. Okay, so now you go to the prophet um, Elias, right? So you were, you were just describing this to me just prior to our um, conversations. But um, so you have the, the contest on Mount Carmel. And so the, um, Elias, the prophet, he says, I'm, I'm going to prove to you that this is a miracle. I'm going to drench my altar uh, with water. So he orders, they drench it three separate times with water. Um, then, of course, he, he prays. Uh, and fire descends from heaven. It consumes the sacrifice. And if you read the, the, the words in the, whole, in the Old Testament carefully, it says that um, it says, and, the, and, it, and it even licked up the water that was in the trench, the, the, the fire, right? So, so you, you get the idea that the, the fire descended, and it also just, you know, dried up all the water, too, which is amazing. Wow. And, and then, of course, then um, Elias goes up to the mountaintop, and he sees a small cloud. Remember, the, he sees a small cloud um, coming up from the Mediterranean, and then from that cloud comes a torrential downpour. And there, there was a, there was a uh, drought in Israel for three and a half years, so it was very good they had a torrential downpour. It was it was the, the punishment was over, um, you know. Uh, and I, I should mention also that um, everyone on the mountain who witnessed that contest between the prophets of Baal or Baal and Elias, they all proclaimed after the miracle, "Oh, uh, you know, he is the true God. The God of Elias is the true God." So you know, they came to see a miracle and they saw the miracle. Fire descending from heaven. So I, I don't even think I need to draw the parallels. I think they're evident. Everyone can see immediately the the, the, the corresponding events, right? So I mean, yeah. it, it sends goosebumps down my my, my spine, yeah, on my arm. But yeah, that's really so, um, and it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting because, like I said, I saw the parallels to Mount Carmel, um, but yep. the par- but the parallels to uh, the parallels to Fatima are there too. And of course, uh, I, I, yeah. for, for those of you who are not familiar, uh, Our Lady appeared to three children in Fatima, yeah. Portugal, in 1917. The first apparition was in May, May the 13th, and they continued mm-hmm. through uh, October 13th, uh, the day of the famous miracle. 70,000 uh, people saw the sun dance in the sky. Okay, yeah. let's go to let's go yeah. to Guadalupe and. Uh, just a little story about Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, my wife and I um, went to see some years back the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Are you familiar with them? I have heard of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do a lot of Christmas Christmas music and everything. Anyway, um, we saw them on twelve twelve twelve, which is, of course is. Oh yeah, it's the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, isn't it? The yeah. Feast, and but it was the year 2012, so it was 12, 12. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and so I just, I just have to remember that was a very, very, very special feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe uh, for me. Okay, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Interesting. Okay, good. So um, I'll start with the Old Testament here. Um, you have um, the Israelites just came out of Egypt and they're marching um, through the, the desert, Sinai Desert. And at the very beginning, when they first start marching, there's a little rebellion that pops up. His name is um, Korah, or Kore, uh, C-O-R-E, or you can spell it different ways. And so they, they start to um, raise up a, um, a voice against Moses and Aaron, saying that, how do we know that God picked you, Moses and Aaron? How do you know that you're not just fooling us? Um, you know, you don't have any authority any more than we do. So 
so Moses went into the tent of meeting and, and, and told God, um, you know, they're giving me trouble, Lord. And so God said, okay, everyone, um, all the tribes of Israel, put your, write your name of your tribe on the, the rod, and we're going to place them in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And whichever one blooms flowers overnight, that is the one I have chosen. And so, um, you know, when you, know, you have uh, Aaron, Aaron and Moses, their, their rod blooms flowers overnight before the Ark of the Covenant, thus validating, in fact, that it was um, God's choice that um, Moses and Aaron were his, his representatives. So then God says to them, um, in five verses later, and so this is in the book of Numbers, chapter 17, um, verse 4 and 5, and then I'm going to quote verse 10. But then God says, um, I want you to put the, um, the, the blossoming rod into the Ark of the Testament, as the Ark of the Covenant, as a testimony, he says, and as a reminder to you that it, it, um, it's going to be kept there because you are rebellious children, and that, the, he says, their complaints may cease from me lest they die. So he says to them, um, stop complaining to me, you know, lest, lest you die, right? <laughs> um, and then there's that perpetual reminder that, that, that um, the, the rod of Aaron is supposed to be placed in the ark so they continually will remember that moment, right? Now, let's go to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, we have um, our, our Blessed Juan Diego, who is before Our Lady, the new ark, and he is asked to give the bishop proof that Our Lady is requesting that church to be built on um, Tepeyac Hill. So he goes up and tells our lady, I, I need some proof, um, um, my lady. And she says, guess what? Here's some miraculous roses that have bloomed in the middle of December, you know, and they weren't there yesterday because he was there the day before, two days before. So they, they bloomed overnight and they, uh, they, they serve as proof that he was our lady's representative. And so then um, we have a perpetual reminder uh, in the form of the tilma because our lady's tilma has been preserved. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Alexa. Uh, I was told I was going to come in here and do this. Okay, all right. Okay. Oh, that's okay. No problem. All right. All right. So um, Our Lady's Tilma is a perpetual reminder um, to us of, of her mercy. Um, so, um, and then finally, Our Lady says in her message, she says this, um, Here I will hear their weeping, their complaints, and heal all, the, all their sorrows, hardships, and sufferings. So, so in the Old Testament, God says, don't complain lest you die. And then she says, here, I want you to come and complain to me. I want to heal your, your, your sorrows, and I want to hear your complaints. So it's just awesome because, I mean, it not only do you see the parallel there, but it also brings out the New Testament mercy that God has because of his sons, because of her son's death, and, and death on the cross. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, Hopefully I, I did a good job of bringing those parallels out. But basically I can no, summarize this. Yeah, okay. All right. All right, let's, uh, let's go Our Lady of Pontmain. Okay, all right. Um, this one is, is, is not so striking, but it's, it's still pretty amazing. Um, here you have um, um, the Old Testament story of, of Uzzah, or Oza. Mm -hmm. How um, he is, um, the Ark of the Covenant is being carried by King David to Jerusalem, but it's not right. being done the right way, right? Um, and so the Ark, uh, the, the oxen who are pulling this cart kick it, and the ark is about to fall. So, so um, Oza goes struck and, dead trying to steady it. Yes, he's, he's, he's struck dead, right? Exactly, because it says in the book of Numbers, "And they shall not touch the vessels of the, of the sanctuary lest they die." And even though he was trying to save the ark from falling onto the ground, he was yeah, still struck dead because you can't touch yeah, the he, ark. He, he, there was no malice. He didn't mean harm, but uh, hey. yeah, <laughs> it was. 
you, you just didn't touch the ark, period. You didn't touch the ark, exactly. You know? um, and so then it says here that um, when David saw that um, Oza was struck dead for this, um, David was grieved. Um, he was very sad about, about the, the, you know, Oza's sacrifice that he made. Um, and I, I forgot to mention this, but just previous to that event, um, uh, David was leading the ark with songs and hymns. So they, he was walking before the ark, he was singing songs of, of praise, and then Oza touched it and died. Okay, so you go to Our Lady of um, Pont Maine, and, um, you know, once I was on to these, um, these seeming parallels between um, Marian apparitions and Old Testament stories of the ark, um, I started looking more closely at, at like little details. And so Our Lady of Pont Maine, she has one message she, she said to the people, and it was at a sign that appeared at her feet. And she said, she said, but pray, my children, God will answer your prayers in a little while. And here's what she says. My son lets himself be touched. And so I thought, now that's a story of the ark, <laughs> you know. Um, so the, the new ark is telling us that you can touch now. Now you can touch. Um, God is not off limits as he was in the Old Testament. He wasn't, you know, we, we have a connection with God now because he became a man and died for us, you know, um, so, so you can touch now. You know, you, you have St. Thomas was able to put his fingers into the wounds of Christ. He was touching our Lord. And, you know, we, we received the Blessed Sacrament. So, I mean, we're, we're not just touching, but we are consuming our Lord in, in the Blessed Sacrament. Mm-hmm. You, have, mm-hmm. um, you have this amazing um, – um, yeah, so anyway, so the, the, that, that's, a, that's a more simple one. But, but still, you have that, that emphasis on touching, which is amazing. And you have some minor events in, 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 in Pont Maine. For instance, one of the things that they did when she appeared was to sing holy songs. They were singing, um, one was um, Jesus Dolcis Memoria, and I think they were singing um, Parche Domine, which are some Latin hymns. Um, and, then, um, um, and then at one point she, um, she stopped singing, and a crucifix appeared in her hand, and she regarded it with sorrow. So you have those same kind of elements in the story of Oza, the singing and, and, and the regard of sorrow for the one who was sacrificed. But, but mostly it's the, it's the touching that was so striking there. Yep. And of course, um, Our Lady of Pont Maine is more commonly known as Our Lady of Hope. Uh, so, yes, why great. expand on that a little bit? I don't know much about it, for, to be honest. I don't know why she's known as that, but um, I have heard that, though. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the next one that we would uh, that we would do, and and a lot of people don't realize this. But this one is actually, uh, actually, I think the last two are both before Lord, if my memory is correct. Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal and La Salette yeah, were both occurred before mm-hmm. Lord, right? They were. You're right. Yes, the, the, Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal was in 1830, and Our Lady of La Salette was 1846. Yes. So um, you're right. Let's start with Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal. Okay, that sounds good. Um, okay, great. So, um, another. There's, there's only. First of all, let me say there's there's only so many stories of the ark in the Old Testament. There's not a lot. Um, so it's not like we have this vast amount of stories to kind of cherry pick from and say, oh, that that kind of seems like this and that kind of seems like that. You know, there's there's not. And we already have heard like, all these stories of the ark. Any Catholic who reads reads the Bible or is looked into their faith would have heard these stories already. So um, I just want to put that out there because it's. It's it's one thing to say you have like you know a, a big huge um, uh, batch of stories to pick from and you can find some parallels, but if you have the only stories of the ark parallel with like the only apparitions of Our Lady, then then you have something there, right? So um, so yeah. I just want to throw that out there first. But um, okay, so in the Old Testament story of the ark and Samuel, um, Samuel's a little boy 
who his mother Hannah um, prays and prays for a child, and God gives her a boy, and she in turn gives the child back to God and says, I consecrate him to God. And she brought him to the, um, the high priest Eli, and he was, he was to serve the high priest. And so if we remember, Eli was not so very good at raising his two sons, and his two sons were rebellious, and they, they abused the priesthood. Anyway, so um, Samuel is sleeping right next to the ark. He's in, he's in the sanctuary because he's, he's with the high priest. And God calls to him uh, in the middle of the night from the ark because God spoke to the people from the ark. That's, that was established in the book of Numbers. Um, I, I don't want to quote that now. but So God is calling Samuel from the ark and, um, in the middle of the night. And then he tells Samuel that, that Eli, the high priest, has disobeyed and has not done what he was told to do. So therefore, God is going to end his lineage and punish him. So what happens then is um, Eli is sitting on a, on a chair, and um, he's sitting up on the wall, and he's anxious because, um, he's anxious because the, the Philistines, who are the enemies of the Israelites in the Old Testament, they stole the Ark of the, of the Covenant in battle. The, um, they, the Israelites lost the battle, and they brought the Ark with them. They thought it would make them win, and so the Philistines stole it. So when word comes back to Eli that um, the ark was stolen, Eli, who is the high priest, he's charged with guarding the ark and, and the holy sanctuary. He's on his chair on the wall, and he's so startled that he falls off his chair and dies, and that is part of the punishment. So um, now the, the ark that was stolen by the Philistines is taken into Philistia, and it's brought into their temple, the temple of Dogon, D-O-G-O-N. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And so there the, the Philistines – they want to put it as like, like a pantheon of all the gods. They have, they have the Israelite god. They have their gods and such. Anyway, they go back there. They find out that all of their gods, their statues of their false gods fell down and broke, and the ark is still standing there. So then they, they parade the ark of the covenant around. And they kind of like do hot potato with it. They, they put it over here and over there because everywhere it goes, it brings curses and, and plagues to the Philistines. And it happens so much that the Philistines finally say, that's enough. We're, we've had it. Um, we're, we're bringing the ark back to the Israelites. But they don't just give them the ark by itself. They, they also, strangely, they cast little um, medallions of the plagues that they received, and they give them back to the Israelites for some reason. So one of the plagues was the plague of mice, and the other one they actually had hemorrhoids was one of the plagues as well. And they make little metal sculptures of these plagues, and they give them back. So, um, so that's a very poignant story of the ark. Now, um, let's go to Our Lady of the Miraculous Metal. And the very first thing that um, the, the story starts off with was um, with St. Catherine de Labouret, who was the, the one who, who saw Our Lady in 1830. She was a, a sister in the, um, the convent of, uh, I can't remember the name, of St. Vincent de Paul. It was his order. Anyway, so she's sleeping in the convent, and in, in the middle of the night, a little boy calls her out and says, you know, um, um, Catherine, Catherine. And so she follows this little boy's voice in the middle of the night, and she, she goes to the chapel where Our Lady is waiting. And Our Lady is sitting in the priest's chair, which is strange. You know, I, I often like to say that Our Lady wasn't tired. She wasn't sitting down and just resting until St. Catherine got there. There's a reason why she's sitting in the priest's chair, <laughs> but she's in, a, she's in the chair. And then Our Lady goes on to tell her that um, she's one, one of the things she says is that the days are evil. Terrible things are going to ha happen in France, and the king's throne will be overturned. And in fact, um, that very same year, on July 26th, the second French Revolution happened, and they overthrew the, um, the, the, the king, Charles X, and they, they had their second republic. So um, there you have the end of another lineage. And, of course, we all know that Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal, um, during that apparition, she, she told um, St. Catherine to have a medal struck 
of, of a certain kind. It's the miraculous metal, right? So she gave her something that's a cast in metal, and that particular metal went all over France, and it, was, it became known as the miraculous metal because it caused healings and blessings wherever it went, right? So, so here you have um, the ark goes around in the Old Testament, causes curses and plagues, and now the ark's going around causing blessings and healings. Um, Eli was sitting in his chair when he died, and Our Lady went and sat in the priest's chair. Um, uh, Samuel told um, Eli that his, his lineage was going to be overturned, and, 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 and he was going to die, and his sons were going to die. And Our Lady of uh, the Miraculous Medal told St. Catherine that the king's lineage was going to be overturned. And then you also have Samuel woken up in the middle of the night by the ark, and St. Catherine woken up by a little boy's voice, maybe it was Samuel, I don't know, <laughs> in the middle of the night to go see the, the new ark. So, um, that, I mean, that one's amazing. There, there you go. <laughs> that, is, that is fascinating. Yeah. All right. Now um, let's go to our, our Lady Must Let. Absolutely. All right. And am I, am I about, um, in terms of my uh, explanation, is it too much or too little? I don't want to get too much into the details. No, I think you're doing perfect. Okay. All right. Um, okay, great. Um, our Lady of Lasolette, very good. Um, now, um, uh, we have to go back to that same story that I was telling before about the Babylonians coming to um, destroy Jerusalem and take all of the um, the Jews captive into Babylon. And so Jeremiah, the prophet, was um, he's known as the weeping prophet because he was crying for what he was foretelling was going to happen to his people in his holy city. And here's, there's a verse to, to kind of uh, elucidate this. It's uh, Jeremiah 13, verse 17. He says, my soul shall weep in secret for your pride. Weeping it shall weep, and my eyes shall run down the tears, because the flock of the Lord is carried away captive. He's weeping and weeping. Um, and, and so if you go into the Sistine Chapel and you look up into the ceiling, uh, Michelangelo depicts Jeremiah as crying and weeping. He's got his, his face in his hand crying. So, um, so then he goes on uh, later on. He's, um, he's trying to get this message out to the rulers of Jerusalem, and they – they, they consider him a traitor, and they consider him to be suppressed, his messages to be suppressed, because they, they want to fight the Babylonians, and Jeremiah is saying, listen, it's God's punishment, just don't even try. Anyway, um, uh, and then, of course, what he prophesies comes true. Um, the Babylonians come and they destroy the temple and Jerusalem and take him into captivity. So here you have Our Lady of La Salette in 1846, which is shortly um, before Lourdes, right? But it's only a couple years away from that same event I was talking about earlier, which is the spoliation of the papal states. Um, and, I mean, you know, everyone who knows La Salette, the imagery is so striking because she's sitting on that rock with her hand in her, her head in her hands, crying and weeping. That's what she's known for. So, and she's weeping because of the, of the, of the chastisements and of the, of the, um, the punishments or the, or the, I don't even know if you want to say that, but of, of the, um, of the bad events, I guess, or the, or the, the calamities that are, that are going to befall, um, Christians and, and the church in particular. So, um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of controversy about Our Lady of Lost Love's message, and I'm, I'm kind of nervous to wade into it because I don't want to say the wrong thing. But, but I do know that the, the, the children, there was two of them, Melanie and, and Max, Maximin, um, they had there's, – there's, there's two sides of this. But the, the French clergy, um, they, they condemned Melanie's third um, message about her third claim of what, what Our Lady's messages were. Um, and so um, they were actually put on the banned book list. I know that 1923, I think they were put on the banned book list. So it's kind of serious. Um, but, um, but anyway, um, 
there was there was a lot of suppression of the messages. And it's interesting because that is what happened with Jeremiah's too. The rulers of Jerusalem didn't want to hear what he had to say, and they they they, they put him down a well so he couldn't tell anybody about his prophecies anymore. So I don't want to say any more than that. But I mean, I, I don't want to say the church's judgment was wrong because it's not. It's 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 it, you know it's Christ's vicar mm-hmm. on earth speaking um, for him. So, but but there is a parallel there with with a suppression of the message, whether it be right or wrong. I'm not making a comment on that. So um, anyway, that's, but that's this, interesting. In, in this it, analogy, though, in the, in this particular analogy, then is the is the sacking of the temple in Jerusalem by the Babylonians, yeah. that, is that also a typology of, of future events, do you think? Well, yeah. Um, well, so it, it would be the, the taking of the papal states and the, um, the, the making of a prisoner of the, of the Vatican, of the, of the clergy and the pope in the Vatican. Um, I see. And so, because, and the reason why that's, that I can say that with confidence is that um, when the, the Israelites were taken into captivity, they eventually did come back out again. Um, there was something called the Decree of Cyrus. Um, Cyrus was a Persian king who, who later on, after 70 years of being in exile in Babylon, Cyrus granted that they could go back to Jerusalem and they could keep it as a city-state. And so that's what happened. If you go to the books of Esdras and Nehemiah, um, they, are, they have Jerusalem back, and they're, going, they're rebuilding their temple again after 70 years. And so that happened to the church as well, because after the spoliation of the papal states, there was a time when the church were, like I said, the popes were prisoners, so to speak. But then the Lateran Treaty came along in 1929, and it let the Holy See have um, a small part of their land back, and that's present-day Vatican City. So now you have the same phenomenon of um, that th- they can hold their city again as a city-state, just like the Jews could in the Old Testament. So there's there's some pretty strong parallels there between um, the, the Babylonians and, and like I said in, in that. But I mean, I, you know, if we want to talk about it in the future in a future podcast, I'd love to because I have a lot to say about those kind of parallels. Now, some of them are relevant to these Marian apparitions, so I, I have to get into it a little bit. But I'm not giving it sufficient, um, you know, I, I'm not covering it sufficiently. <laughs> I, I would say. Oh, I can see that we're going to want to have you on several times. I, I think we got a lot of, but but it's amazing how the parallels, um, you know repeat over and over again. I, I'll give you one example. We did, sure. a study, we did a study a few years ago uh, because every year at Christmas time you hear this controversy of, well, was Jesus really born around Christmas? Or, no, nah, he was born in the spring. No, nah, he was born in the summer. No, nah, he was born in the fall. You, you always hear this controversy. And sure. one, year, one year I decided, you know what, I want to get to the bottom of it. I, I just want to know what where do the facts actually lead? I, you know, it's not anything I'm going to base my salvation on, but it's something I wanted to know. What does the evidence really point to? Yeah. And, and we studied it intensely, and we were blown away at what we found. And, and what mm. we found is that the December 25th date is not only strong, it's airtight. Absolutely it's airtight. airtight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and one of the things that blew it open for us um, was when uh, the temple was destroyed by the Babylonians in 537, I believe it was 537 yeah. BC. Yeah, yep, right. It, 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 was, it was destroyed on the ninth day of the fifth month, which is the month of Av. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and the Romans did it the same day later on. The same day. And, yeah, I know. And, right. then, and then when you look at that, then, then that, that resets the whole calculation 
as to when Zechariah was in the temple. And now, okay, now Zechariah is in the temple at the end of September, and it was a major feast day, and he was offering incense in the temple. Okay, well, that means that, you know, the whole multitude of the people were outside in Jerusalem. Oh, it was Yom Kippur. Well, just so happened in 3 BC, Yom Kippur was September 25th. And you go six months <laughs> later, and it just all fits together. Our Lady, uh, you know, the, the uh, Annunciation was six months later on March 25th. Jesus was born. That's right. Nine months later on de- de- December 25th. And it just... It's just amazing, but all of that from the fact that the temple was destroyed on the same day. I mean, that's just... And then when you look at Jewish history, you see that there's other catastrophes. So I started to study about the ninth of Av, and and it really originated uh, from God cursing that day, because it was on that day that that God uh, ordered the Israelites to go in and, and, and take this city... And he said, I've already delivered them into your hands. But the scouts went and they were spooked. They said, oh, they're, you know, they're a race of giants. We don't have a chance. They're going to wipe us out. And God said, I, I, I've already promised they're delivered into your hands. And, and because of that lack of faith, he said, this day will be cursed forever. In, in, you know, and, and there was like one day on the ninth of August, 100, 135,000 people were killed and, uh, but it's just amazing how the wow. same things repeat over and over and over again. That's why. Wow. I, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I didn't know any of that. That's fascinating. Yeah, and that's why I don't have any problem drawing these parallels. And 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 uh, you know what what and the thing that kills me is our Protestant brothers and sisters they have such this 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 extreme problem with with Mary coming from heaven and appearing and as a messenger. Wait a minute. <laughs> you yeah. have no problem with Gabriel doing the same thing. <laughs> so, no, that's true, right? You're right. What is the problem? I, I don't understand. Um, you know, and, and this false dichotomy that they have that she's either, okay, this is your choice. She's either an ordinary, sinful Jewish woman or she's a goddess. <laughs> There's no in between. Yeah, um, I know. It's it's very sad. I agree. But if you yeah. but if you look at the Old Testament and you look at the way that God has always created through his uh, always created through his creation, always talked to us through his creation, always ministered to us through his creation, it it I mean Fatima and Lords and Guadalupe, it makes perfect sense to me. Oh yeah. Yeah, it it just it ties in with with Catholic truth. It's it's you know, if it's from God, then it's it's not going to contradict anything he's ever said or done. Yeah. So, right. So now, really quick before we go, I want to revisit something that we 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 opened up with. Um and that is that the devil is going to is going to ape any kind of these, you know, these types of situations. He's, there's always going to be a counterfeit. Uh, and that's why it's it's very very dangerous. You know, Jesus Jesus in the in the in the New Testament talked to, he 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 performed signs and he performed wonders, but he's also the same person that said it is an evil and adulterous generation that seeketh after a sign. Mm. So there's a difference between uh, benefiting from signs and wonders. And seeking right. after signs and wonders for the sake of the signs well, you're, and wonders. You're, you're right about that. 
And and we have there's been some of these um, some of these events that are just out and out frauds that are not super, that that have no supernatural element to a, to them at all, and those are dangerous. But uh, Dominic, I think the even more dangerous ones are the ones that do have that 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 hint of supernatural, that hint of magic. Yeah, uh, sure. And yet the and yet the message is 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 heretical because now you now you you're not dealing with ordinary human stuff here. You're dealing with something something bigger. And was it Paul that said the angel can identify uh, uh, can come disguised as a sign of light? Yeah, that's right. And the angel of light. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I agree. I mean, if 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 the faithful who are who are they're, they're the faithful. They're the ones. If if Satan's going to try to deceive them, it's not going to be with um, something that you know. It, it's going to be something that, that has a chance of fooling them, and that would be right. like you said, a false, a false, a false apparition of Our Lady, or or even you know, false, all kinds of false things. Don't get me wrong, you know. But um, so yeah, yeah I, I agree. I mean, it, so in the Old Testament, you had the same thing. At the, in the time of Jeremiah's there were false prophets, there, even in the book of Jeremiah, where there were two prophets, him and, him and a false one, and they were both kind of competing for the king's attention. And so, like, the king, he, he picked the one that was more easy for him to listen to, which was not Jeremiah's. Um, but it, interesting, like, even in the time of lords, uh, one of the reasons why they were so hesitant to, um, to, to, to approve lords, like the local bishops, was because there were a whole lot, a whole lot of uh, false apparitions at that time. Right. They were happening all right. over the place. And so it's like you have these like the the, our, the church history, the New Testament version of the Old Testament false prophets are like false apparitions. It's kind of neat, right? It's scary, right. yeah. So give me real quick, give me a give me a short list of some of your favorite visionaries uh, uh, of some of these major apparitions. I I mean to me, you know, one of my absolute favorites is, is Saint Bernadette, of course. Um, yeah. You know, Saint Juan Diego has a has a has a place in my heart. Saint Catherine Lavare. I yeah. mean, there's so many. But yeah. give me a give me a few of your favorites. Oh, I, I think you just said right there. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> um, I mean Saint Dominic, um, Saint Simon Stock. Um, um, boy, I mean, my goodness, any Saint Saint, Dom- <laughs> saint Dominic. We we uh, have you read the story that's in Saint Louis de Montfort's uh, True Devotion to Mary? Uh, I, I read I read the book, but I don't remember the story. I, I forgot that. What, what was that again? Can't remember. True, truly hilarious story. Saint Dominic was uh, preaching on the rosary, and then okay. he began to be tormented by this uh, possessed Albigensian. Okay. And, this, and the Albigensian was possessed by fifteen thousand demons. God had allowed him to become possessed by a thousand demons for each of the 15 mysteries of the rosary. Of course, now there's, oh my goodness. <laughs> now there's 20. Okay. So Dominic starts to uh, perform the exorcism on this, on this possessed man. And he challenges the demons to tell the crowd of people, which saint that they feared the most. Well, they were, they were too embarrassed to say, and they tried to you know, grovel and whisper it. And they didn't want the people to hear. And Dominic kept, Demanding and demanding. Finally, he calls on the intercession of Our Lady, and she appears holding a golden rod, and she walks up and hits the possessed guy with the golden rod and says, <laughs> Answer my servant Dominic at once. 
<laughs> I was like, go mama. <laughs> you don't mess with mama. I just, that's one of my favorite stories. That's neat. Uh, I, I, I must have, I don't remember that. I read the book, but that's, that's fascinating. That, yes. Well, it's sure as mysterious. I mean, um, it's, it's, it's above us. It transcends us. But at the same time, I mean, I think we're meant to seek after these um, and the great, you know, the, some of the greater mysteries. I think um, I, I often think of the book of Daniel and like Daniel, he was called, um, I forget that the, the idea was the angel said, oh, Daniel, you're always seeking the answers to things and, and, and you're sincere about it. So I'm going to tell you the secret. Right. So the angel comes and tells him the secret. And of course, Daniel doesn't understand it again. So he has to ask. But but I think that's the idea. Like we have to love the things of God so much and that, you know, when, when, when we seek, we will find knock and the door will be open to you. And, and, you know, these, these are, these are gems and treasures that that God has put there for us to find. It's almost like, like, you know, God's like our parent hiding like things in the sandbox for us, you know, and the more we dig, the more we find that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful. I, I love it. So I anyway. can't wait to read your book. How many pages is it? It's a short one. Um, this yeah. one's, I don't know, like 20 some pages, you know, it's 20 pages. Um, I, you know, I have a 500 page book, um, about all these parallels, but it's just okay. too much. So I'm trying to find ways to make them more pal- pal- palatable. Okay. What are, uh, what are some other books that you've been reading lately? Have you been, are you a big Catholic book reader? Um, yeah, well, um, great. My boys and I have been reading a lot of stories of, um, the Crusades, um, my, you know, I kind of read books to my wife right now. I've been spending so much time making my cartoons and, and studying and reading, um, not books, but reading like history, um, mm-hmm. that, um, I just kind of, I, but they've been reading like the stories of the, the Vaughn day, the French revolution, um, a lot of like, you know, the, the times of the Catholics during the, the, the Calvinist uprisings in Scotland, uh, a lot of, a, a lot of Catholic history books, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I read St. Louis de Montfort's um, book, True Devotion, St. Alphonsus's book, um, The Glories of Mary. I love that book. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see now. Um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little I should get I should get back on my uh, you know, we all just need more time. I, I got five boys and uh, I, yeah. that time's always very precious. <laughs> so, I, I know. I, I trust me, I, I know. I'm gonna live to like I said, to be eight hundred and forty three years old to finish the books that I have. There you now. go. Uh, I have read quite a lot over the last couple of years, though, uh, quite okay. a lot of them, and, uh, and, and well, they, the they really have had an impact on my life, and I recommend, uh, you know, reading the lives of the saints and, and, and yes. these theology books and these history books, and it's just a, it's a bottomless ocean of, uh, of treasure. So, it is. It really Dominic, is. it's been such an absolute honor to have you on our show, and I've really, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, First of all, tell our audience one more time where they can find your books, your materials, uh, your cartoons, and everything. Sure, thank you. Um, uh, Again, it's GloriousHeritageCartoons.com. Okay, and if you would, would you honor us with a closing prayer? Oh, sure. Let's pray to Hail Mary. and of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of thy death. Our, our death, Amen. Amen. And the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Dominic, thank you so much. I can't wait to have you on again. I'm going to order your book and read it, and I can't wait to have you on again soon. 
Thanks, John. I appreciate it. I, uh, I, I do have to go because I have to. I'm, I'm at a boys' camp, so I need to go take care of my kids. Um, but I really, I, I, thank you for having me on, though. All right. God bless, and you have a wonderful week. Okay, you too. Thank you.